Hey guys, thanks for joining us for our final installment of our Advent series. This is week four and we have Amanda with me again and we also have Pastor Phil joining us. Hey guys. Hello. (laughs) So before we jump into the plan, which is the title of this week, uh, Amanda, can you just give a quick overview of the past three weeks? Yeah. What I like about this um, this kind of Advent devotional or Advent plan, yeah. Advent study, whatever you want to call it, is that it's really kind of walks through the gospel for us. So we mm-hmm. started with the need. Um, we were created to be in relationship with our creator, to know him and to love him, but that relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden. Um, so we talked about how our greatest need is reconciliation with God, yet because mm-hmm. of our sin, there is no way we can be reconciled with him in and of ourselves. Um, then we talked about the promise. God understood our need and in his love and kindness toward us and his grace promised to send a redeemer who would free us from our slavery to sin and reconcile us with himself, mm-hmm. our creator. Then we talked about the announcement. The redeemer came and not just anyone came, but it was Yahweh. It was God himself who came in flesh, Christ in the form of a baby. He lived among us in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, as it talks about in Hebrews, in order that he might understand firsthand our human condition and defeat the sin that enslaves us. And now here we are in week four. Yeah. So we're going to be in Isaiah 53, um, verse 10, when we just dive into what the plan is. Um, So it's short. I'm just going to go ahead and read that and then we'll jump in. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So Phil, can you just explain to us the first part of that, that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And I even read in another translation that it was, it pleased him. Mm. Yeah. I think this is a, um, a really cool thing to keep in mind that as Amanda said, the coming of Jesus was according to the plan of God. But part of the plan of God was that Jesus would be crushed. And so you asked the question, um, why was that the will of the Lord? And I think the easiest way to answer that is just going um, directly to Scripture and looking at um, post-Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, what did the apostles teach regarding what Jesus did, why he did it, and what it accomplished? And so when you Mm -hmm. go to um, Hebrews chapter 9, you start realizing in the Old Testament, um, the whole picture of sacrifice and the shedding of blood was intentional on God's part. Mm-hmm. And so we read in like Hebrews 9.22, it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And mm-hmm. so the law that God handed down, almost everything is purified with blood. So there's a purification that happens via the shedding of blood. So the sprinkling of blood on the mercy seat and all that kind of stuff. So there's a a purification that happens. There's a cleansing that happens through that. 
And the apostle, or the writer of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so it was the will of the Lord to crush Jesus in the sense that to put him to death, because in putting him to death, the blood would be shed. Mm. And the shedding of the blood of Jesus would be the means by which God would purify and cleanse those who are, as Amanda was saying, enslaved to sin. And not only that, but then you also understand the forgiveness of sin. So it's a cleansing agency, but it's also a clean, um, a forgiving thing as well. Mm. So the God is going to forgive based on the shedding of blood. Yeah. And so it was the Lord's will. And what I find really interesting is, um, to be honest, that's a weird thing to think about. Like it was God's desire to have his son murdered. Hmm. And we typically think, no, God only wants and can only want good things. Yeah. And yet now we're confronted with this text that, no, actually the Lord wanted. Because our, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And so therefore, whatever God does is because it's according to his good pleasure. Hmm. And it was his will or good pleasure to have his own son murdered. Yeah. It, it's a crazy yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And even this, we might not have time to even go into this, but is was this like a backup plan or was this before the foundation of the world type of plan? Is this yeah, in response to our unfaithfulness to him? Like how, because when I, I'm not, you know, educated as much as you in this. And so it does make you think, oh, well, did God just have to do that yeah. because we misbehaved? Yeah. So once again, I'd go back to scripture and kind of ask the question, okay, what does scripture have to say about this? And so two things come to my mind um, in you asking that question. Number one is Peter, Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two. And in that sermon, he references Jesus. He says this in verse 23. He says, this Jesus, which was who was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified mm -hmm. and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And so in Peter's mind and probably the apostles' mind, they understood because Jesus taught them this, that it was necessary for the Son of Man to be crucified. Yeah. And what Peter is preaching is, look, this is the, a part of the definite plan of God. This is a part of the foreknowledge of God. And it must have sunk in for the apostles because when you go to Acts chapter 4, um, a couple of them just got arrested. They come together and uh, a bunch of the disciples and early Christians are gathered together and they're praying. And I love what they pray. They, they start their prayer by referencing God as being the sovereign Lord in verse mm -hmm. 24, who made the heavens and the earth. And then when you jump down to verse 27, they're praying this, that truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand, and they're referring to God, whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Yeah. And so you have foreknowledge, you have predestined, you have the definite plan of God. And then when you go to like a book like Ephesians 1, and you'll see at least three times in that one chapter you have about how our redemption by the blood of Christ is according to the infinite plan of God, according to the mystery of his will. And so you have the will, according to the will, according to the will. So my answer to that, um, to be honest, is no, God is not a reactionary God. Yeah, 
but God ordained that there would be sin and that his son would be the redeemer of it. Yeah. And that was a from eternity past before the ages began. Second Timothy chapter one talks about that. Yeah, it's so, not like a chess game where no. he's waiting for what yeah. we, yeah. We do something, God's like, oh yeah. Yeah, and then look does at me. This. It's like, yeah. we respond, oh yeah. It's not That's like that. more of the God I want to serve who isn't, I'm not stumping him yeah. with mm-hmm. that. Thanks. So we'll just jump over to Amanda. And if you can just kind of explain how the second part of that verse relates to Advent and just to recap that will be, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, praise the Lord. He mm-hmm. rose and he not only rose, but he also um, gives us his spirit. Yeah. So he prolongs his days, he doesn't stay dead, and then he sees an offspring. He sees those who have faith who are now the sons and daughters of Abraham are welcomed into the family of God and are reconciled to him by his blood that was shed on the cross, as Phil just said. And mm-hmm. um, this is such a, a beautiful truth that we can even celebrate at Advent. I love the line from Hark the Herald Angels Sing again. I love mm-hmm. this hymn. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Like Phil said, it was the plan all along mm-hmm. for Christ to be crushed so that we could have life eternally with him. That's what we're celebrating. Not yeah. just Jesus' birth. It goes beyond that because the birth does not make sense without the death and the resurrection. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Like, What would be the point of the birth if we didn't, if he just lived? That wouldn't bring no. us right. forgiveness. Because like Phil had said earlier, like the blood has to be shed. And yeah, it's... But it has to be a certain kind of blood. Yeah. So that's why, at least in my experience, we at Advent, we were really highlighting the birth of Jesus, but we run so quickly to the cross hmm. and we, we fail to realize the, the incarnation, like the virgin birth of Jesus and then his crucifixion and resurrection. Those are amazing things that happened, but he had this whole life in between. Yeah. And so like First Peter 1 talks about how we were ransomed from the, the feudal ways inherited by our forefathers, not by gold or silver, but by the precious blood of Jesus, who is like a spotless lamb. And mm-hmm. so Jesus's blood had to be spotless and perfect. And so, yeah, in Advent, we're talking about Jesus coming, but it's Jesus coming as a baby, living perfectly and sinlessly so that when he was crucified, the blood that would be shed would be a particular kind of blood, which would actually be cleanse, effective. yeah, be effective. And so Jesus had to live sinlessly. And um, that's, yeah, that's the, the thing that's really important. I think Christians, we, we forget Jesus's obedience as an essential part um, in his life. And we run immediately to the cross, I think, too quickly. Yeah. So since I'm going to ask you, Phil, about... Actually, can we go into mine first? Yes. Because I want to segue off of that. Yeah, go ahead. I just think that when we're we're in this season of Advent, a lot of us are maybe reading with our children. We're in the Gospels, right? On Christmas morning, we're Mm -hmm. reading Luke 2 or we're in Matthew. And so often it's easy to just 
read on Christmas morning and then stop that, like 25 mm-hmm. days of reading the Bible with our kids or 25 days of just being in the word. Mm-hmm. And yet it's the life of Christ is so important and mm-hmm. so important to our salvation. And so just keep going, like just keep reading yeah. the gospels. That's one way that we can kind of take this season of Advent and continue on in those habits is go into the life of Christ now, study the life of Christ. And then as we prepare for Easter, we can slow down again and focus on the death and resurrection. Mm. But it's so good just to engross ourselves in his life as well. Mm. Yeah, I know we talked earlier, Amanda and I, about how my oldest son was like, Advent and Lent, like those are really important, right? Because that's when you read us the Bible. And a couple years ago, he was like, wait, so after Christmas, we stopped reading the Bible? He was like four. <laughs> I'm like, well, bud, like mommy does this, you know, does this in the morning and you guys are welcome to join in. But just to touch on what Amanda said, it is kind of like even it sounds silly and it's cute because he's four and like that's okay for a four-year-old. Mm. But for the rest of our congregation that isn't four, um, I don't know, Phil, if you want to hop in on this too, like I had this, you know, someone who was in their Bible, they had their plan, January comes, the fun's over, the theme of Christ is over. How would you spur (laughs) your church on um, to keep digging into Christ and not stopping just because air quotes, like it's over? Yeah. Well, I think we have to remember too, though, God is, he actually called his people in the Old Testament to have seasons in which they specifically spent time doing Mm -hmm. a variety of things which are out of the ordinary. Mm. And so I think it's okay for us as Christians to actually take time which is out of the ordinary. So I think like what Amanda's saying is that's perfect. Uh, Christmas should be in a time for us to have an inordinate amount of time together as families. Hmm. Uh, and maybe Easter, Good Friday and Easter is also a, a time to have an inordinate amount of time together. Um, so I think there's there's high seasons in Christianity, but I also think that there's a the highs won't be as high unless throughout the rest of the year you're continuing to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so mm-hmm. um, if if there isn't a consistent, I don't know, feeding on the person of Christ in his word through the spirit, then the high times will come and we, will, we won't necessarily experience those times of waiting and pondering and, and, and um, just slowing down. We, we won't glean from from those seasons all that we could Hmm. does that make sense so i i had somebody tell me one time you know our spiritual nourishment is like our physical nourishment the less you eat the smaller your stomach will shrink so when it's time to like thanksgiving you have opportunity to eat lots of different foods Mm -hmm. you know to the point of dare i say gluttony (laughs) yeah but you won't be able to participate because your stomach has so shrunk Mm -hmm. but we need to make sure to enlarge our appetite and so the times between Christmas and Easter and Easter and Christmas, that's the time to enlarge our appetite so that when the feast comes in those high seasons, like we're able to gorge ourselves. Hmm. Um, I, I think, I think Jerry Bridges says the one thing you cannot, or the one thing you can glut yourself on and never be in sin is Jesus. Hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we could, we could do. So that, that would be my, it's hard yeah. telling people to start reading plans and all that, but. Just, you have to consistently be with God's people, mm-hmm. 
Um, that's why we have one day out of out of seven, which is a special to high time. So every week, be with God's people, yeah. be with hearing the faithful preaching of the gospel, be in God's word, be praying with his people, uh, serve and meet the needs of the saints on all these things will be preparatory uh, yeah. for those high seasons. Yeah. And I think to Cole had mentioned listening to a podcast I did with you, which the listeners can go back and listen to. When I asked that question, I think it is like, well, tell us what to do. Like people want to be told what to do. And I'm like completely guilty of that too. And maybe it's our culture, human nature. I don't know what it is, but, and he was like, I love what Phil said that just, you, you have to just do it. Like whatever that is, it's not a special plan. It's just getting in the word. Mm -hmm. So as maybe cheesy or simplistic as that might sound, that is freeing because you're not putting these burdens on like what works for Phil Ward doesn't work for, you know, so-and-so it's, but getting in the word works for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like that's for all people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and going back to just the, illustration of eating like that is something that is essential for our health right like Mm -hmm. we have to eat and we just need to view the word in the same way it's essential to our spiritual life and so it's not okay to go long amounts of time without it we get cranky right (laughs) we don't eat (laughs) there are appropriate things that we need to do to take care of ourselves physically that we always find time to do right yeah and so we have no excuse we can always find time to do the essential things oh yeah so we should find time for that meal (laughs) so phil um when we're recording this you are back on american soil for a couple days now i think (laughs) um Can you just share with us something for those of us that didn't go on the trip? Just like a highlight of... What trip are you referring to? Oh, (laughs) sorry, guys. Okay, so Pastor Phil and a group of 112 other people people, um, went to the Holy Land. And I was specifically referring to Bethlehem, um, just since we are on Advent Hmm. and where our Lord was born. Um just if you had, I mean, not that you got some special revelation there or anything, <laughs> but just something uh, that the Lord taught you personally or that you're kind of mulling over even mm. processing now. Yeah. One of the, when we went to the church of the nativity, one of the things that struck me was the fervor that people had to be in the church and to see the little grotto where Jesus is thought to have been born. And one of the reasons why people were so wanting to be there was because deep down, I think they believed that there was going to be an infusion of some sort of spiritual vitality by being there, by being Mm -hmm. at that actual location. And as we walked through, there's tons of people everywhere. And, um, one of the thoughts that came across my mind was I don't need to be in any geographical place mm-hmm. on planet earth to experience the presence of God more than any other place yeah. because Christ is crucified and risen. And because he's ascended to the right hand of the father and has sent the Holy spirit, any place my feet land on planet earth is a place where I can dwell with God and he with me. 
Does that make sense? And so yeah. God, God has made this promise that he will dwell with his people. And that you see that throughout scripture. But one of the most intimate ways in which God dwells with us is through the abiding spirit. So mm-hmm. one of the things I was thinking about was when Jesus made the promise, I will be with you even mm-hmm. to the end of the age, right at the end of the Great Commission thing. You start realizing, wow, I don't need to be at the Church of Nativity to experience, quote unquote, Christmas. Hmm. Um, The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent in his name, is with me, and therefore Christ is with me um, Hmm. and anywhere I'm at. And I thought that was one of the huge... I don't know, things that I, I learned there and just realizing there, there was people in the church just wanting to pray and wanting to be at this church, like there in the Holy Sepulcher. Like if I'm just mm-hmm. here, God will hear my prayers more, mm-hmm. more likely he will hear my prayers because I'm close to where he was born or mm-hmm. was crucified. But the reality is, no, we, we like we reference Hebrews, like Jesus came as a human being because it was human beings he was going to mm-hmm. redeem. And yeah. uh, as Greg, St. Gregory of Nazianus, what he said was, whatever was not assumed is not healed. Mm. So if Jesus is going to heal the whole human, our bodies, our minds, our souls, then he needed to be all those things as well. Mm-hmm. And so since he was fully human being in every imaginable way, he is able to heal and redeem. And because Christ has done what he has done, he has made a way for us to enter the presence of God. And how we do that is through his through him as our mediator, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so the Holy Spirit helps us through the mediation of Christ to enter into God's presence. And so he is our sympathetic high priest. We can ask him for the grace that we need in our time of need. We can go with confidence into his presence. Mm-hmm. And we don't need it, you know, like to go to these special places to to do these things. Yeah. So anyways, there was some of these kinds of thoughts of like, man, Christmas is awesome. Yeah. Not because I went to the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, um, that makes it more awesome. It's awesome because Christ came to make it possible for me to be in God's presence and to be filled with joy. Well, thank you guys for joining me and thank you to our listeners for joining our Advent series.